Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. Here's Walter. Yes, he is here. After he puts his headphones on, here is Walter, feeling completely underdressed this morning because Ashley Frasca is quite dressed today. <laughs> Ashley Frasca is going to a lunch. Ashley, for just a minute, tell me about what you're doing this afternoon at lunch. Well, first of all, your reaction was priceless. I don't know <laughs> what startled you more, if it was the, the high boots and the heels at 6 in the morning was, or if it was the rollers in my hair. <laughs> either one was one that I don't, a look that I don't see very often. <laughs> right. So today, uh, I'm going down to Macon. Every year, they have a Christmas social for the Georgia chapter of COPS, Concerns of Police Survivors. And every year, we honor the law enforcement officers who have fallen in the line of duty the previous year. And year after year, all of the families come to this social every Mm. year. It's for the entire family. Santa Claus is there, so the kids come. Mm. And it's just a, a good time for them all to get together and fellowship, and also for us to recognize the line of duty deaths we've had this year. Wow. Ashley, I'm just so proud of you. You do such a great job, both professionally and personally, and on your off hours, too, and I'm really proud of you for doing that. And you do look pretty pretty dressed up this morning, Frasco. You're pretty onto it. I hope I don't fall off the stage in the heels. Those heels would be a pretty challenge for me to even attempt, I think. <laughs> thank you. I know, well, I don't know if that's thank you or not. She is... We'll see if we can take a picture of her, Jason, and let everybody know what she looks like. This morning, we're going to talk about gardening, though. That's actually what this show is called, Lawn and Garden. You understand Lawn and Garden. And the thing that I want to talk about today is the bucket of kiwi fruit that I have on my counter. I am just so delighted, delighted, delighted. My friend Candy, who lives over the hill in uh, my neighborhood in North DeKalb County, texted me a couple of weeks ago, and she said, Walter, plenty of kiwi fruit on my vine this year. If you want to uh, come and get some, come anytime. And so I made my way over to Candy's house, not knowing quite how many she meant by plenty of kiwi fruit. Oh, my gosh. She had hundreds, if not thousands, of kiwi fruit, fuzzy kiwi fruit, just like you get from the grocery store, fuzzy kiwi fruit on her vine in the backyard. And my friends, her kiwi vine is as big as two elephants end to end. It is huge, enormous. As far as I know, Candy does not do any pruning other than to cut it back so she can get the lawnmower around the edges. That's the only pruning I think she does to this kiwi vine. Normally, if you're in New Zealand or Australia or California where they produce kiwis commercially, you would prune it sort of like you do a muscadine grape. And that's one that's easy for me to understand because muscadine grapes are typically on a wire, one or two levels of uh, vine on a wire. You prune it back during the latter part of the winter. The buds that emerge in the spring then are the ones on which you get the kiwi fruit. That's the way you normally would do it if you were trying for maximal kiwi production. 
Candy, evidently, as I say, does not even touch them, except maybe to cut them back for the lawnmower. And it's just incredible. So when she said, bring a bucket, I brought a bucket, a big plastic bucket, and I filled it full of kiwi fruit. Now, the thing that I learned a couple, three years ago when the same situation arose is that you can't expect a kiwi fruit to be ripe on the vine. I don't know if they have in, in, in other states, other parts of the world where the kiwi fruit is normally grown, if they ripen on the vine. But here in Georgia, at least in Atlanta, the kiwi fruit is hard as a rock. I mean, just bump, 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 bump on the kitchen counter. It is hard as a rock. You don't want to eat a kiwi fruit in that condition. So what do you do? You put it out and let it ripen, just like a pear, just like um, well, other things that, you know, you just put them on the counter and they ripen. Bananas are a good example of that. If you put them out for long enough, they will soften. The kiwi will soften and ripen. And last time, I remember very clearly taking a paring knife and slicing it down the middle and then using a spoon to just spoon out the content. Sweet, oh, a good sweet, just that little slight bit of tartness that a kiwi fruit has. Oh, what a beautiful fruit. The other thing that I think is interesting about kiwi fruit, besides you harvest it, at least in Atlanta, when it's hard, is that you have to have a male and a female vine. Now, you can't just go to a store and say, I want a kiwi vine. They'll inevitably say, well, what male would you like? There's only one usually. But you have to have male and female vines. The flowers are different on each other, on each one. And... Two years ago, I went to Kiwi's house when they were blooming and took pictures of the flowers of the Kiwi vine so I could tell them apart myself in case anyone asked me and said, hey, do you have male or female? If At least if they bloom, I can tell which one is which. So if you want to actually see this, I'm not going to describe it on the radio, but if you want to see what a Kiwi flower looks like, go to my website and just type the word Kiwi. If I'm not mistaken, I have two or three pages about Kiwi and ripening and male and female and all that kind of stuff. Now, so if they're so delicious and so wonderful, Walter, why don't more people have them in Atlanta? Well, the one shortcoming of kiwi is that they're not always winter cold tolerant. Oh, there's nothing but heartbreaking. Yes, I've experienced the heartbreak of the kiwi that gets frozen in the wintertime. Yeah, I spent the money. It was, I remember at the time it was about $25 a vine, which at the time was a lot of money. But I spent $25 per vine, planted a male and a female kiwi vine. They came up, and we had one of those springs where it was warm, real warm in February, and it got really cold for a week or so after that, and they froze to the ground and did not recover. So kiwi for, for Candy's kiwi vine, what she has done, it's on a little bit of a decline in her backyard. And I think there was just enough protection, just enough warm air coming down off of her house that it kept those vines from freezing when they were young. Once you get them past three, maybe four years old, kiwi vines do fine, as hers are the example. And even though hers was frozen some three or four years ago when we didn't have any kiwis, they still recovered. The part that was frozen, I guess, fell off, pruned off, taken off. So I don't know what happened to that part. But the part that was left, the part down close to the ground, as well as much of the main vines on her kiwi vine, are fine. There are plenty of leaves, healthy, look great during the summertime, no problem at all. So if you can get your kiwi vine to live past those first three, four, maybe years, then you're home free. Then you got kiwi 
And again, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fuzzy kiwi. Well, if you go into the literature and look a little bit further, you'll find that the fuzzy kiwi is not the only kiwi in town, not the only kiwi in the game. There's another kind of kiwi that has very small fruit. They're a little bit bigger than a grape, not quite as big as a ping pong ball, but bigger than a grape, certainly. And these winter hardy kiwi can be found. You can buy them. And some of them are really decorative. The one I'm thinking about is Arctic Beauty, I think is the name. Arctic Beauty is the name of this kiwi vine. The leaves on it are a red, green, white variegation. Beautiful, beautiful vines. And so you can plant those, and they will sprout. They will grow. I think they're also male, female, but I could be wrong. It could be they're, they self-pollinate. But the Arctic Beauty kiwi vine has small grapes. It tends to be pretty winter-hardy around here. It does fine in cold winters in Atlanta. But the grapes being very small, maybe not quite what you want. If you want a great big fruit, it's not going to be a great big fruit. But you can grow the winter-hardy Arctic Beauty kiwi vine. Variegated leaves, very pretty. You can grow those in Atlanta, although I don't know of anybody who has grown one. And I would love to talk to someone this morning if you have either one. If you have either a fuzzy kiwi, the kiwi we were used to as a grocery store, or if you have, oh, I'd love to talk to somebody who had an Arctic Beauty or one of the winter hardy, cold hardy kiwis, please give me a call. The number, of course, you know it, 404 872 872 If you know someone or if you yourself have a kiwi vine, I would love to know a little bit more about it. Yeah, we'll see about that. What other things can we talk about on Lawn and Garden this morning <clears throat> besides the kiwi, which I've harvested? Oh, I didn't tell you about my experiment. My experiment. You know that I know technically and chemically that you can take a banana or an apple and put it in a bag, and it will release ethylene gas, which is a ripening gas. And so just for the fun of it today, or yesterday, really, I put two bananas and four kiwi fruit, two apples and four kiwi fruit, and then just four kiwi fruit in separate paper bags. and put a gym clip over the top, and I'm going to find out whether or not the kiwi is ripened more quickly with a banana or with an apple. Does the skin have an effect on it, too? Because, like, I guess and I've done that with avocados, yeah. and that seems to have more of a skin like the banana. That's a good question, Ashley. I don't know. You want to you bring you some kiwi fruit? You can try it at your house. You can see what the kiwi does and behaves like at your house, if the skin has any... Do you want me to put some in a bag with the avocado, or just I, by themselves? I will bring you some kiwi, vine, some kiwi fruit next Saturday. And we will get you a kiwi to play with. I would. I, again, I've got a bucket full of them. i got plenty to, to get rid of. I'm not going to eat all those kiwi, I don't okay. think. I'll try not to. Fruit salad. Yum. One last thing about the kiwi that I thought was interesting is some of the fruit are doubled. Two kiwi side by side that are joined together in a long, thick strip. And I don't know how they will taste or what they will do with ripening, but it will be interesting to find out about how the doubled kiwi behave in my kitchen. Well, if you've got a question about lawns, gardens, flowers, weeds, shrubs, bugs, anything you want to ask about, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. 
News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Chosen by Jason Byers, just so he can jump up and down in the studio. That's mostly Jason's up and down music this morning. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Right now, 52 degrees in Newstalk WSB. Tomorrow, 72 the high, 48 the low tomorrow. Of course, rainy today, diminishing as the day goes on. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Chris is in Atlanta, GA. He wants to ask about growing vegetables down in... Down in Florida or going here in Atlanta? Chris, which do you want to do? Chris? Chris, Chris, Chris? Well, somehow Chris is not going anywhere there, so let's go instead and see if we can get Jenny. Can we get Jenny in here? Jenny, are you there? No, Jenny is not there either. So we're missing both of those, but Jason will figure out where they are and we'll figure out later what they're doing. One of the things that I've been doing this past week is trying my best to keep my howdy pot working. All right, let's try Jenny here and see if we can get her in here. Hey, Jenny, welcome to Lawn and Garden. Are you still there? We're still here, Jenny. Okay. How are you? Okay, I'm fine. Uh, I just want to know when's the best time to propagate, well, most anything. I've got time now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, one day the weather is great and the next day it's not. But uh, propagate variegated ivy. I can't think of a day that's not good for propagating ivy. I mean, ivy is such a vigorous vine anyway. The English ivies and just about every ivy that we that we name an ivy has the capability of rooting at all the nodes where a leaf comes out. And as you know, any kind of ivy has lots and lots of leaves. And so every place that has a leaf, that will root. So you can cut ivy into little sections, one leaf and one node where the leaf comes out of the stem, bury that. I don't know, half an inch to an inch maybe in some potting soil, keep it warm for uh, three, four weeks, and by George, it will root, Jenny. You'll have a well, little... Now, yeah, little okay, but outside, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it'll work just as well? Yeah, it won't root fast, but if I had nothing to do this afternoon and wanted a bunch of ivy, I wanted to cover a hillside or something like that, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It's going to be warm tomorrow, of course, and so if you want to go out with a with a hatchet or a clipper or something and make little grooves in the ground with a hatchet and stick a six or eight inch long uh, stem of ivy in each one, you would have most of them root by April, I think. Okay, but now you said six or eight inches and then you said shorter. Well, the shorter ones would be for house house plant ivies and six to eight inches would be if you have the English ivy. Okay, thank you. It's great talking to you, Jenny. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back to more garden questions and maybe some answers, too, right after news. Live and festive in the public's Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.37 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, a Georgia gardener, just remarking outside to Ashley this morning. 
25 years I've been doing this show. 25 years. Unbelievable. And my son turned 28. Some of you long-term listeners remember when I had a son. And I remember back then being, oh, because it was sleepless nights. Y'all be parents. You know about this. But it was, for me, a new thing. And I remember complaining complaining on the radio show about, oh, I don't know if I can take this fatherhood stuff. Well, for 28 years I've been a father, 25 years I've been on the radio. That's quite something. Chris is in Atlanta and joins us. Hey, Chris, good morning. Chris, still not getting it. Where is Chris? He's on line two. There he is. He's lit up. He looks like he's going to be on the air, not seeing nothing. Chris, just hang on there. We're going to find you. We're going to find you and get you. It says drop, it says hold, it says, try that one, no, not yet, no, Chris, nope, Chris not there yet. There's something weird going on with our phones and with our computer system this morning, Chris, so stay on, we'll, we'll find you. Let me talk for just a minute about what I found out last week. If you remember last week, I talked to Mickey Gasway. we had a nice remote broadcast at the Pike Nursery Store up in West Cobb, and a caller asked about yellow Christmas cactus. And both Mickey and I said, eh, yellow, no, don't think about that. We've got pink ones, there are red ones, there are white ones, certainly Christmas cactus, Thanksgiving cactus, Easter cactus, but all white, pink, red. Never seen a yellow one, we said to each other. But then I went to my massage therapist on Wednesday this past week, and what was blooming his little heart out, a big, fat, yellow Christmas cactus. How did that happen? So I looked it up, and it turned out that yellow Christmas cacti were either developed or imported in by a place called Hertz, H-I-R-T-S, Hertz Greenhouse. I think they're up in the north, Connecticut, Vermont, somewhere up in there. And Hertz Greenhouse found this yellow Christmas cactus and began introducing it into the trade. It's not Lemon yellow. I remember, I remember our caller last week saying, oh, it's lemon yellow. Well, it's not lemon yellow. It's more of a yellow with a tiny bit of pink or peach in the background on it. But this yellow Christmas cactus is right there in my massage therapist's office. And I thought, well, I need to tell everybody that you can find it. You can find it online, sort of expensive online, or you can find it at your friend at the massage therapist where they say, sure, you want some leaves of the Christmas cactus? That's what it's for. You can have all you want. Well, that's great, because if you have a Christmas cactus, you can propagate it very, very, very easily. If you have one, or if you know someone who has one that you want, here's the way you do it. You take off the little leaves, and the best way to separate the successive leaves on a long stem is to twist them. Just one hand with one leaf, one hand with the other leaf, just twist them and they'll pop apart. And you pop them apart and have a, a saucer, something that can contain about an inch of damp sand. It could even be damp potting soil, I guess, but sand is what I've always used. Put an inch of damp sand or potting soil in this saucer, and then stick the leaves, individual leaves, into the damp sand about halfway, about half an inch down into the damp sand. Put them in a sunny window, water it occasionally just to keep the sand damp, and in about three weeks, you'll have another Christmas cactus. The top of the leaf will start budding, have a little green bud on the end of it. And if you pull on it, it won't come out of the sand because it's got roots in it where it's rooting down into the sand. And so you can take these individual little leaves. You can leave them in the sand if you want to for weeks and weeks just to let them root completely. But then you can take each one individually out 
and put them into little pots with potting soil in them. Grow them on in your in your house in a sunny window and give it to your friends for Christmas uh, gifts or for Easter gifts or whatever you want to do. So if you have a Christmas cactus, easy peasy to propagate them, to have more of them, easy to do. Pop them off apart from each other, insert into damp sand about half an inch, story done. But as you know, as you know, your host of the Lawn and Garden Show is not going to leave well enough alone. I have a different way of propagating Christmas cactus, again, that I'm experimenting with. This one is not like the kiwi fruit I mentioned earlier where I'm trying to see which technique ripens them fastest. What I'm trying to figure out is if I can root a Christmas cactus using mist, using mist instead of the damp sand. So here's, here's what I did. You've, I know you've seen this. The misting um, humidifiers you have in the, it's called cold humidification because they don't use hot water to make steam to humidify a baby's room or you know, bedroom or something like that for adults. But they use a little ultrasonic emitter. You can buy these for 10 bucks anywhere you want to online. I go to Amazon, of course, for a lot of stuff. They have these little ultrasonic fogger things. Plug it to an outlet, put it in water. It makes fog like crazy. So I put a, I have a clear glass bowl, about eight inches, I guess, in diameter, and it's about three or four inches deep. And I put the fogger in the bottom of it with the electric line coming over the side, turned it on, sure enough, fog like crazy, <laughs> lots and lots of fog there. And so then I took my bowl and covered the top with heavy-duty aluminum foil and then taped it down on the side so it can't come off. I took my little razor knife there in my in my kitchen on the kitchen counter. Yes, I live by myself, and so easy to do things on the kitchen counter that others in your household might sometimes object to. And I made little slits, about I don't know, an inch an inch long, little slits in the aluminum foil on top of the bowl. And into each slit, I put more of these leaves of the Christmas cactus that I got from my, from my friends at the massage therapist's office. So in each slit, I put a half inserted Christmas cactus leaf. And then I turn the mister on. My theory is that the mist in the bowl will keep the bottom half of the leaf hydrated enough that it will start making roots into that misty atmosphere there. As I woke up this morning was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, I thought, now, you know, I probably should turn it off every once in a while because leaves don't want those Christmas cactus leaves don't want to be moistened all the time. You can't put them in a, in a container of water, for instance. They will not root in a container of water like you could with mm, coleus and impatience and things like that. The Christmas cactus just doesn't seem to want to do it in water. And when it's in that heavily misted environment in my glass bowl, in my den, I'm not sure that is not a little too much water for the root system on the Christmas cactus. So what I've done, or what I think I'll do this afternoon, is I'll get a timer and turn it on and off. Turn it on for 10 minutes maybe, and then off for 20 minutes, and on for 10, off for 20, and see if that does a little bit better to to propagate my Christmas cactus. Ashley? So since you're talking about seasonal flowers, yeah. I think I ask you this every year. Yeah. I have two amaryllis that are coming back ah, from awesome. the spring, and they're still potted inside. Yeah. And I remember one Christmas, Scott Maxim, who used to be the producer, and I were shocked because you brought us amaryllis and you brought us a little airplane bottle of liquor. We were like, whoa, Walter, it's too early for all that. But I remember you wanted us to do an experiment, uh-huh. and I can't remember 
the leaves, you know, now that it's it's leafing out yeah. pretty quickly and the leaves are starting to fall over. And I'd also heard Sprite instead of like a clear Ooh. liquor. What can yeah. you do to make the leaves grow more upright? Ah, it wasn't amaryllis in the first fit. It was paper white narcissus. Oh, darn is it. what it was. Paper white narcissus have a alarming tendency to grow too tall and flop over on your kitchen counter, on your dining room table. They just flop over. And so the question was, is there a way easily to make a paper, paper white amaryllis foliage not flop? And some research assistant up in the Northeast again said, you know, if you put ethyl alcohol in the water, it should shorten the roots a little bit and shorten the stems a lot. I bet that would work. And sure enough, I think y'all tried it. I certainly tried it at my house to mix vodka and water. I think it was seven to one or eight to one, maybe. And I used that to water my paper whites. They were stocky. They were barely eight inches tall. Flowers like crazy, but still not flopping over on the dining room table. So is there something that can work similarly for amaryllis? If the, is it the leaves that are stretching out? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, and they're just yeah. laying over. They won't stand yeah, up. Yeah, it needs more light. Oh. Usually when you have a plant that stretches out, and I think stretching is, for, is what you'd say yours are doing, is they just don't get enough light. And so they don't have enough energy to make the cell wall strong enough. And so it would flop over. So it flops. So you need more light. Yours has been in the house since last year. Is that right? Right. I, I don't have any luck when I take them outside and plant them and all of that. Yeah. That doesn't, I don't know. I got a new way, more experiments for Ashley Frasca. Ashley Frasca's little horticultural uh, experiment. All right, the farm. kiwi. All right, the Give kiwi. me another one. Here's what you do. Take these amaryllis and nurture them as best you can in the sunniest window you can in your house. They're probably not going to bloom. I don't think they will. And then next spring, instead of taking them outside and planting them, get a bigger pot. Get a pot eh, 14 inches wide, 12 maybe, 14, 12, somewhere in that range, a big old pot, and put one bulb in each pot and then put that out on your deck. I know you've got a deck behind the back part of the house. And so put it on that in the uh, pot on the deck and water it occasionally during the summertime. The leaves will come out. You'll probably be replaced. Those floppy leaves will be replaced with real stiff, straight leaves because they have enough sunshine outside. And they'll grow really nicely, I think, on the deck until September of next year. And you can ask me about this here in the summertime. I'll remind you because I'm doing it the same thing. And so in September of next year, you have to fool the amaryllis into thinking winter has arrived. And so what you do is you take the bulbs out of the pot, or heck, you could take the pot itself and put it in your basement. Cut all the leaves off, put it in your basement, let it dry off. Don't do water, don't do nothing to it. And the bulb will say, oh, man, it's just not right. I don't have any leaves. Winter is here. And that's great because it causes an amaryllis bulb to start forming the flower bud inside. And then in uh, Thanksgiving or a little bit after, 1st of December, after you've made it go dormant in September, 1st of December, warm water, some sunshine inside the house, bring it out of the basement. Thank God, Ashley, you're taking me out of the basement. <laughs> and you give it a little bit of, of water and light, and it comes up, and that little bud that's formed during the wintertime that you've forced it into thinking it has will come up and give you a flower for Christmas. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'll try that. Yeah, you'll definitely have to remind me, though. Force so now them. they're in pots that are only six inches across. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're so not that's probably move. tiny. They, that's just to get you to buy it. It's cheap and easy and give it as a housewarming yeah. present and all that kind of stuff. But more than likely, if you take your bulbs and treat them nicely during the summer and treat them poorly in September, they will bloom for you in December of next year.
Thank you. All sorts of information here. 404-87. I'm doing a seminar for Ashley today. 404-872-0750. As we try our best to get our computer working. 404-872-0750. We will be back after. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. The doors are going to get to anything here. They're just going to play for a while. There they are. They got to something. Dicka, 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 dicka. Thank you, Jim Morrison. We appreciate that. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, rain 100% likely. It was 100% raining when I came in this morning until later this afternoon, diminishing to 50%. Then, high of 62, low of 60. Not a whole lot of change in temperature today. Tomorrow, 30% chance of showers. High of 72, low of 48. Full weekend forecast because of in 10 minutes with News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Beverly and McDonough joins us. Hi, Beverly. Nope, that's at line two. Something's wrong with Beverly. We already instructed you to try to hold on for that. We're going to keep you held right there. And then let us go to David and Tucker. Hey, David, good morning. Nope, David on line one is still not working there. Anyway, let's talk about Clark Howard and his Christmas kids. Because Clark today and Dave Baker are going to be at Woodstock, Walmart, Highway 92 in Woodstock from 9 till noon today. After the show ends, 9 till noon and they'll both be on the um, uh, Woodstock and in, in Highway 92. And we're working on here what we're doing. This is a way that you get to give the gifts that foster kids in the foster care system in Georgia would not pay, perhaps get the Christmas gifts that they would love to have to be equal to their peers. Because as you know, there are many, many more foster kids in the system now because of the opioid epidemic. And... Uh, we don't know quite, quite what to do with all of them, but we're going to have them get Christmas gifts courtesy of Mr. Clark Howard. Again, today, 9 till noon, Woodstock, Walmart on Highway 92. Also, down in Peachtree City, Highway 54, Clark won't be there, but Eric Erickson and Wes Moss and Chris Chandler will be there as well at Peachtree City on Highway 54, 9 till noon today. It's 6.56. Let's try it here and just see if we get David on here on line one. David, hey, good morning. Oh, okay. There he is on. All right. Well, we're going to let Jason pull everybody up and not have to worry too much about me. Go ahead, David, real quickly. Uh, yes. Well, you're describing all the procedures for amaryllis. Is there any particular reason you can't just put them in your garden? No. In fact, there's some that are called hardy amaryllis. The, uh, what's the name of it? Johnson. Jo- <coughs> Excuse me. Mr. Johnson's amaryllis. Uh, amaryllis Johnson I is very hardy in Atlanta. It has sort of smaller red bloom, but David, you can put that in your garden, let it bloom every May, it'll be fine. It's the winter tolerance. Some of the varieties you get at the big box stores for the holidays may or may not be always winter tolerant outside. That's why Ashley has to bring it inside to get it to be protected during the wintertime indoors. Is the best time to plant a constant version in the fall? One more time, David. What now? Is the best time to plant the hardy version in the fall? 
Yeah, I think that would be fine. I planted mine in March, if I'm not mistaken. So mine did fine. I have done fine again for five or ten years. So fall, I guess, for the hardy amaryllis. If you can find them, plant them. See what happens, David. You're a reliable caller, and you can tell us what happens later on. It's 6.58 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. <laughs> 